Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Back again with the Swarmcast. It's been a very, very busy couple weeks for us, Sean. I know you've been you know, on the road. We've been trying to cover all this transfer portal stuff. You know, Iowa's been announcing departures, returns, so let's... Let's not waste any time. Let's just dive into it. I think let's start at the top with Lucas Van Ness, obviously announcing his departure to go to the NFL draft. I know maybe a month and a half ago he said, you know, I want to be here. I want to return to Iowa. But when you're getting top 25 overall grades, you got to go get the money, even if it's based on potential. And, you know, I put this in my impact article too, Sean. I'm curious what your take is, but. Iowa could afford to lose Van Ness. I mean, you you really never want to lose a first-round NFL caliber guy, but with the guys that Iowa has returning in that room, especially with Noah Shannon, with Joe Evans, uh, Aaron Graves is going to take on a bigger role. Deontay Craig, who I think was really underappreciated during the year, will be a big focal point of the D-line. But I guess what's your overall take with Van Ness going to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where maybe – you could have seen it coming with all the uh, NFL draft hype and guys, you know, the reports coming from Melk or Todd McShay had one. And I believe Daniel Jeremiah was another guy that was really high on Ben Ness, but it was almost one of those situations where the feedback was almost too positive for Van Ness not to go. I talked to a few people around his camp and that was kind of the talk is that they received feedback from all 32 teams and literally every team said something very positive about Van Ness. And obviously with, with these draft boards and the ones that ESPN Bleacher Report um, NFL network come out with, like those are a good starting block for fans to get a feel for like what guys are the top guys. But a lot of these teams draft based on need and the boards are a lot different than say, you know, what, Mel Kuyper or what Todd McShay or what, you know, everyone else is kind of putting out. I mean, they're, they're probably the most accurate of the bunch, but there's definitely a different dynamic with these types of, uh, with what the team's feedback is and compared to the draft, the mock draft. So, I mean, certainly with Van Ness, I think the move makes a lot of sense for him. His stock, according to those drafts at those draft boards were higher than probably they would be next year. Um, Assuming that, you know, he doesn't take a huge leap. I think he would have had a really good year and, you know, could have been, could have been a stud or all big 10 type of guy in the defensive line, but his stock is really high right now. And it's kind of like the TJ Hawkinson thing. I think TJ, you know, would have been this, would have had another really good year had he stayed, 
but it's one of those things where it made a lot of sense for him to go at this point. And Iowa, I mean, it, it stung definitely because he kind of expected Van Ness to take that next step on the edge next year. But getting Joe Evans back and the emergence of Deontay Craig as a pretty good pass rusher, pretty capable pass rusher, is really positive for this team and what they could do next year and, you know, how this group can kind of, you know, build off what they did this past season. Um, getting Noah Shannon back on the interior was huge. Logan Lee's coming back as well. And um, yeah. obviously you mentioned Evans and Aaron Graves is a guy they're really high on. There's a few other guys that, I mean, Ethan Herkett could come back and be healthy. He was really good before he got hurt. You know, there's a, there's a lot of bodies in the defensive line room and that's one position where you don't, you don't really have a lot of concerns even when, you know, maybe there's not as much as you would like to. I mean, look back at the 2021 season. The big question mark coming into the year was the defensive line, and that defensive line did really good, exceeded expectations by a long shot. Yep. And it's kind of one of those things where you kind of just have to expect it at this point, but also with this group coming into next year, like there's a lot of really good, really good talk around this defensive line group and what they can do and, Obviously, like I said, that hurts losing Ben S, but there's a lot of pieces that you can build around and make this group, you know, build on what they did last year. I think they're going to be one of the most veteran groups in the conference, if not the country. I mean, that's what, the way you got to look at it, too. I mean, like you said, I think you can use Aaron Graves in a variety of ways. I think you can open him up on the edge a little bit more, which I think he can be incredibly capable there as well. Noah Shannon, I think, was a little bit underrated on this defense. I think he did a great job of just mauling up the middle. It was never spectacular in terms of highlight-worthy plays, but he made a lot of the action happen. And, you know, we'll dive into our full 2023 preview later, Sean, but I think the secondary could be even better next year with Xavier Wampo with what he showed in the bowl game and the growth he, he's made. Cooper DeGene coming back. I think linebackers could be a very interesting position. I think they have some capable guys, obviously, Jay Higgins, you know, if they explore the portal a little bit, maybe after, you know, maybe during the second portal window, I think that's something they're, you know, I think they're comfortable with. I think that they're waiting to see how they really, the guys can take a step forward in spring ball. And if they're going to feel comfortable with it, they'll ride with it. But if not, they'll look at the portal. I think the only linebacker they've really gone after was Ernest Hausman, the Nebraska linebacker transfer who eventually wound up at Michigan. So, you know, that'll be interesting. Uh, let's flip the offensive side of the ball, Sean. I mean, you look at what Iowa's done. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about, you know, what's going to happen with Brian Ferentz. We're going to have to talk about that, obviously. Number one story probably right now. But Brian Ferentz aside, before we dive into that, Iowa, for the most part, I think has done a very nice job in the portal. I think getting Cade McNamara, obviously, is priority number one. Seth Anderson, the more I watch his tape, the more I like. I think he's capable of being Iowa's number one or number two receiver next year. I think you look at Eric All, Luke Lachey, could be a very, very dangerous one-two combo at tight end, maybe one of the best in the country. Getting Dijon Parker is a big, big deal, flipping him from Virginia. I mean, Sean, it's so weird the way college football is working now. Dijon Parker was officially on the Virginia website. He'd been announced by the football team. But the way transfer is, they assign financial aid grants, not national letters of intent. So the school is bound to them, but they're not bound to the school. So it's very interesting to see we're in the era of that. And Tyler Barnes alluded to it, too, in that press conference. He said, you know, it's guys that we're still going to go after. And I think he was alluding uh, to Parker there as well. So I think Iowa, for the most part, has done a good job. But I wrote about this today, Sean, my number one concern for this team heading into the spring 
They got five scholarship receivers right now on the roster. Uh, and that's with including Brody Brecht, who's not going to be a full participant in spring because he's going to be on the baseball team. Iowa cannot afford to have the group they need to take the biggest jump, be short on numbers. But with that being said, what do you think Iowa's strategy should be? Should they continue to go after guys in the cycle to take a body just to get a body? Or do you hold out till after spring ball and really, really bank that there's going to be some guys entering the portal? I mean, I think you'd be aggressive in both. I mean, there's going to be guys that enter the portal after spring ball. <clears throat> I think ideally in a perfect world, you get a guy in this cycle just because, you know, you need one. And it, you could be a guy that's with the program longer. And as we said before, like, it's really hard, no matter what level you're on or how old you are, to join a team in the summer and make contributions. I mean, you see it with freshmen. You've seen it with guys in the past. I mean, Jack Heflin was an older guy from Northern Illinois that came in and made impacts right away. I mean, there's definitely guys that can do that. But I think you have to make it a point to get a guy right now. I think yeah. that is that is the likely option. I mean – I think, you know, you look at the cornerback position, I think you can maybe be a little more conservative with that if you want to take another guy. Um, if you want to take another offensive lineman for depth purposes, I think you could be a little patient. Wide receiver, I mean, I think you need to get a guy now. Linebacker, I think that's where you can kind of wait a little bit. You don't need to rush these types of things. But wide receivers, one, I think, needs to be a little more urgent. I think Jacob Bostic could be a pretty good X receiver, but the yeah. thing with him is I think he's like 180 pounds. He's not, you know, I think he's more of a Y type of guy, kind of like an Amir Smith-Marset type, but he has the length to be a potential X receiver, but, you know, can you put the size on him? I think that's going to be something that we watch this offseason um, with him, and I think I was going to go into the portal to get another X receiver. They've, you know, kicked the tires with a couple of Syracuse transfer. Damian Alford was one that they contacted, but he entered the portal, you know, a week earlier or a week earlier this week. And then, you know, withdrew his name from the portal last night. Um, Donovan Manali is a guy from Washington State they have their eyes on. There's a few other guys that I'm sure will pop up in the next couple of weeks and next couple of days eventually, depending on what happens with Ollie. So, I mean, wide receiver is definitely, definitely a pressing need. I think you need a guy that can come in and make an impact right away. There's no doubt about that. I know some guys, you know, some teams are kind of just getting receivers just to get receivers. Well, I was really looking, I mean, Isaac Tesla, that would have been yep. an instant impact guy. That would have made the class. And I think a lot of people, you know, and rightfully so, like a lot of people focus on the misses. And there's good reason for that because it's guys that, you know, you felt like Iowa had a really good shot with. I mean, Tesla is probably the one that I'd say was a huge miss. Um, you know, not on Iowa's doing, but partly on Iowa's doing because the way the offense looked, but also I think Isaac's kind of a different kid. And, you know, Arkansas made made some sense for him based on, you know, opposed to what others have said. But I think Walter Rouse, yes, you would have liked to have him, but I think, you know, these guys are coming in to be starters. These grad transfers, I mean – Rouse no was question. a four-year starter at Stanford, and, you know, he was coming in to be a starter, and Nebraska is one of the schools that could promise him that. Um, and, I mean, I, I really like this Iowa transfer class. As you mentioned, Dave, I think there are a lot of good pieces there. Obviously, getting Cade was really important. Eric Gall, I think, is going to have a really good year next year. Seth Anderson, you have him for three years. That's really important. Dejon Parker, immediate plug-and-play guy at that right tackle position. And then uh, Deacon Hill, who – you know, wasn't 
was going to Fordham, um, was going to, I believe that's the Patriot League, and now he's going to Iowa. And I think there was a lot of question marks on him at Wisconsin based on, you know, he can make throws, he, he has a big arm, but accuracy was one of the main concerns. And that that sort of thing was, you know, kind of, kind of you know, what people look at as, just a depth piece. And I think that's going to be the case for now, but I'm interested to see what happens with that quarterback room. So I, I think you filled the needs. Obviously you would like to have one more wide receiver and potentially a linebacker, but I think there's a reason why Iowa is not pressing at those other positions. Like they are wide receiver right now. Moving on to offense coordinator. I mean, it's the number one talking point. We got to talk about it. I know it's been all over our boards. It's been everywhere. I'll tell you what I'm hearing right now, and I'll give you my thoughts about what should be going on. But before I get into Brian, Sean, I'm, maybe this is a tinfoil hat theory, but Iowa landing Cade McNamara, getting Deacon Hill. Am I out of bounds to say I think John Budmeyer might be the next quarterback coach at Iowa it, like this season? Because it would make a lot of sense based on the connections he has to those two quarterbacks that – He's only an offensive analyst right now, but when you really dig deep, it really strikes me as he's going to be the next quarterback coach for this next season at Iowa. Oh, I mean, 100%. I mean, nothing's obviously decided yet from what we know, but I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, especially with the connections that Kate has with both. I mean, Bootmeyer was the first offer for Deacon Hill. I talked to Bud's uh, – or I talked to Deacon Hill's quarterbacks coach who's been working with him since his freshman, sophomore year. And he told me that the first time Bud came to watch Deacon throw, Bud had Deacon throw like consecutive out routes, like 18 yard out routes to see if he can make those throws and just watched him, watched him, watch him. And he just threw, 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 like even missed some, but was making some. And, you know, there, there's definitely a relationship there. And I think that was, that was really important. I think the timing too might have played a role with Carson May entering the portal, but also having Deacon. I mean, he's been in a Big Ten program for the last two years. Um, he's played really limited snaps, but has played, you know, practice, and that that's saying a lot. That's a big help. Um, is practicing against a Big Ten team, especially against Wisconsin, and making some of the throws that he hit, did on tape. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the the signs kind of point to that. And I know Ference, I know this year was not obviously very positive on how things looked from an offensive perspective, but I think the Ferences really like Budmeyer. And I think there's, there's a really good fit um, there with Budmeyer. Yeah. And I mean, Kirk's kind of words during the, uh, during the press conference during big 10 media day, you know, we're kind of telling when he said, you know, this is a guy that we've wanted for a while. And he's like a gift from gift from the heavens. Like, yeah, they really like him. Now, obviously, he needs to show on the field, but I think the, you know, those relationships and Kirk's words, I think those hold a lot of weight for sure. In my opinion, you really can't judge him based on what he did the past year because there's only a certain amount of involvement he could have at the time too. And obviously, given Iowa's offensive struggles, the quarterback limitations, etc., I think it's really hard to get a fair gauge of what he can bring to the table there. Brian Ferentz, number one talking point. Uh, Sean, I don't think we've talked since his press conference in in Nashville. 
I can tell you that was about as well received as you can imagine. It was not about I did the best I could with what I had. It just really did not seem like there was a lot of account- personal accountability there. It really seemed like that he, I don't want to say threw in the towel by any means, but it was not a good look for Brian, that press conference. And taking a step back, obviously people are wondering when a decision is going to be made, when something going to happen. Let me be clear. I don't think Iowa is going to fire Brian Ferentz. I don't. I, I think that's been well-established. I think you believe the same thing, Sean. I want to speak for you. I don't want to speak for any of the other media members, but from based on who I've talked to, everybody expects that. With that being said, as of right now, I just don't see how you can bring him back. I, I, I think it's a perfect time for Brian. You know, he's grateful for Iowa. It, you know, we'll see what happens in the professional ranks. I'm keeping a very close eye on the New England Patriots. I think there'll be a couple other NFL opportunities he might opt to take to be a position coach. And I think for his coaching career's sake, not even just the Iowa perspective, but for his career, it might be time to move on. And I do believe at this moment that a change at offensive coordinator, at least duties, will happen. And when you look at the full number, Sean, if his last name's not Ference, he's not back. That that that's the reality of it. It's uncomfortable to say, but there's no ob- objective measure that leads me and probably anyone else to believe that Brian should be back. And people can blame personnel, they can blame scheme, they can blame whatever. But there's one thing people haven't talked about when it comes to that, Sean. Brian Ferentz is in charge of getting the personnel that he wants. He's in charge of running the scheme. Like, he's in charge of the offensive roster. So this is his guys that he's recruited, he has to work with, et cetera. I know he has to work alongside the position coaches, but ultimately, if you're the coordinator, it falls on you. It's like being a CEO of a company, right? You can be doing a killer job, but if the company's not performing up to expectations, it's on you to make the changes. So it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That That's my two cents about it. I, I still strongly believe there will be a change at coordinator, at least the duties. And I think ultimately it's going to be for the best. And if they don't make the change this season, Sean, they may as well not cha- not make the change because 2023 is Iowa's best chance of getting back to Indianapolis for the next few years, in my opinion, given the divisions, given all the coaching turnovers, given the new talent they're bringing in, given the way we think the defense and special teams will perform. 2023 is a very, very, very critical year for Iowa football. Definitely. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of hit on all the points there. It's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. There's a lot that can obviously happen this offseason. As you said, I think the the New England 
job makes a lot of sense. Like that seems to be where Brian would be the best, at least at the NFL level, um, in that role that he had in New England. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. It's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of things can change. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think for the most part, the staff will stay intact. Obviously, there's been rumblings of one of the coaches retiring, but yeah, I mean that Brian Ferentz that that's definitely the one that seems to seems to draw the most attention and rightfully so because I mean we've talked about it at length I mean yeah throughout the season with so many factors that go into that offense being bad but it all comes back to one person and I'm not saying he's not a great I I think he's a great coach I think he has a really good football mind yep but there are just certain things that limit what he can do and I think the personnel also limited what he could do this year, which led to the ultimate downfall of everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you can have a great mind, football mind, but that does not mean you're a good play caller. I mean, he's not a good play caller, Sean. He's had seven years, to six, seven years to prove it. He Six years to prove it. He's not a good play caller. Um, and again, you could understand the scheme perfectly. You can know what it takes. I mean, we've, we've seen coaching seminars of Brian Ferentz taking an hour to dissect one play. And it's amazing to watch, you know, the mind work. And if Bill Belichick says you're a good football coach, you're a good football coach. I don't care what anybody else says. And he thinks Brian Ferentz is a good football coach. So I'm going to take Bill Belichick's word for that. Um, And it's going to be interesting, too. I mean, we've heard Cade McNamara has not done interviews, but he's did a podcast a few, you know, about a month ago or so ago. And he said Iowa's going to air it out. And I'm still interested to see what's the definition of airing it out. And we know Cade's been hard at work trying to recruit wide receivers. Obviously, getting Eric All is a big deal. And Iowa doesn't need a bunch of playmaking wide receivers if they have Eric All and Luke Lachey. But they need guys to space the field, and they need a deep downfield threat. Um, I still think, you know, if there there's rumblings of a couple of players still out there that have not entered the portal, if they enter the portal, I think Iowa will pursue. I'll keep everybody up to date on the VIP board about that. But – when it comes to Brian Ferentz, I it's just I think it's time to you know mutually benefit everybody, both parties, and say hey, you know what? We appreciate your time, your contributions here. Because look, the reality is too, Brian's not been good, but let's not act like there weren't good moments. Like I think it's very easy to be incredibly critical, and I understand it. And people could argue that the offense this year held the team back from a 10-11 win season. I personally believe that given the historical dominance of the defense, the defense had six touchdowns, two safeties compared to seven passing touchdowns on the offense, which is a mind boggling statistic to me, especially for a winning football team. But, you know, and the other part of it too, Sean, which we haven't mentioned this time, it is a national punchline. I mean, I listened to cover three from two days ago and they talked a little bit about Iowa and they said, Iowa's offense exploded against Kentucky one offensive touchdown. They put the ball in the end zone. Everybody was laughing about it. It's just that's just not it, – it's not a good look. It is not a good look. And right now, remember Kelton Copeland maybe two months ago, Sean, said it's really hard to recruit receivers. He admitted that to the media. I think we're seeing that in full effect right now. And I don't think that's going to change without a coordinator change and without production from Iowa's wide receivers that they have right now. Yeah. No, it's uh yeah. 
I mean, I think the offense can take that step forward. And, I mean, we we saw that in the bowl game last year, too, in the Citrus Bowl. I thought that was really, you know, there was still reason to be optimistic. But, I mean, a year older offensive line, I think, is going to help a ton. I yeah. think a quarterback that can be at least a bit mobile will be a big help. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just about everything connecting together. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how – the K McNamara experience or experiment works out because this is something that correct me if I'm wrong, Iowa has not done like ever, like in terms of bringing in a, a transfer quarterback that I'd have to look back at the date about that. I think you're right from the jump can is like being expected to start and make a huge impact. Now he doesn't have to make a, like a scary jump like a scary big jump, like, but he's just got to be serviceable, but he doesn't want to be serviceable. As he mentioned in that podcast, um, the, uh, that podcast that he went on, he wants to be more than that. And I don't know if that's unfair to put those expectations on. I know like in the mind of an athlete, like you're wanting to prove people wrong and, you know, you're wanting to, you know, you're in control. You have that power to do so how much do we see of that on the field? I think there's going to be like a certain like moxie or, you know, swagger that K. McNamara is going to bring that helps this offense. But it's just like, can everything click together? And can you put the guys, I mean, it's going to rely on the tight ends like that. There's no doubt in my mind that that's going to be, you know, the, the focus, the tight ends. But if you can just get something on the outside, like that is a huge step up compared to what it was this past season. If Caden McNamara can throw 16 to 18 touchdowns, they're going to build a statue outside Kinnick for him <laughs> after what they've seen the past couple, you know, few years. But like you said, Caden McNamara, nobody expects more of Caden McNamara than Caden McNamara. I think that's been very, very clear. I mean, if you listen to that interview, I, I wish I could remember the podcast name. On it, but I'm sure if you search Ken McNamara on on YouTube, it'll be among the first things. And this is my speculation, Sean. I think he wants a revenge tour against Michigan. Like, there's nothing he wants more than to play Michigan in the Big Ten title next year. I think that's a very, very big motivating factor for him after being named team captain, getting benched in favor of JJ McCarthy. He he wants he wants blood, in my opinion. Again, that's not anything I'm hearing. That's just based off pure speculation, but there's no doubt the competitor, the competitiveness that we've kind of seen from him just in the limited interviews and the quotes, he he wants the attention. He wants the pressure to be on Iowa's offense to produce. And I think that's such a mindset dynamic change for this offense, at least in the, in the room that I'm very, very eager to see what they end up doing because I think Caleb Johnson is going to be a huge part of the team next year. I think Jazzy on Patterson can take a big step forward at running back. We'll see what happens with, with LaShawn Williams. But Iowa, you know, like you said, the offensive line can improve, and then you immediately have Caden McNamara. I mean, obviously we'll see what happens with coordinators and assistants, Sean, but what what realistically do you think is a good jump for this team? in terms of total offense compared to last year. They were 130th this year, 131, by the way. Like 70th or 60th. I think, I think that's... They go back to Indy if they do that. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, there's a lot of hype of Wisconsin, obviously, with Luke Fickle. I think he's going to do a great job there. 
That's yeah. honestly a really good fit for him. Um, and with the portal additions that they've been making, but there's still some question marks there. And I think that's – I mean, Nebraska is obviously bolstering up with their new roster. Minnesota is getting a couple new coaches. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think 60th or 70th puts you back in Indy, no doubt. I mean, they were almost in Indy with 130. I don't – I think the Big Ten's going to be similar to this year too where – it's really a crapshoot, but I want to we'll see if see Illinois can keep up with their momentum. I think that's gonna be a big deal as well. Yeah, that's that's going to be big too. I think if Iowa can get 80th in total offense, I think they're guaranteed to be back in Indy. Assuming they have a top 10 defense next year, which I still fully believe Iowa's defense can be a top 10, top 15 defense next year. I think they got the dudes to do it. I think defensive line will be better. Linebackers will take a bit of a step back just based on you're replacing the Buckus Award winner, Jack Campbell. Seth Benson, who had a very, very high floor, was very consistent. But Sebastian Castro showed me a lot in that bowl game, Sean. That first that first half, especially a couple pass breakups, especially that long ball, open field tackle. I thought he played the best he had in his career. Obviously, Xavier Wampa throwing Cooper DeGene, Quinn Schulte, who's almost seemed to be forgotten about, but he had a very, very good year as well. And then, you know, assuming Jamari Harris comes back fully healthy, locks down the other cornerback spot, it's a it's a damn good secondary that Phil Parker is going to have lined up back there. Um, so it, it will be interesting. And then obviously with getting Torrey Taylor back is massive. I mean, that was a bit of a shocker, and it was interesting listening to him at the – Music City Bowl say, you know, if you asked me a month ago, I would have been like 85% gone, but I want to come back. And, you know, the fact that Torrey Taylor said we have a special quarterback coming in, that was – it was intriguing to me to say the least. And we'll see what happens in Nebraska. I'm not ready to buy stock in them yet just because we've seen how many rebuilds and preseason hype, yada, yada, yada. Matt Rule's a good coach. Fickle, I think, has a chance to be very, very impactful at – Wisconsin, I'm not buying stock into Purdue, but I guess to wrap this up, Sean, where would you rank this Iowa team right now? Uh, and by the way, let's assume, let's do two rankings. Let's do Brian Ferentz stays on staff and Brian Ferentz is off the staff. Where would you rank Iowa in the not top 20, like a way too early top 25 heading into next year? I know I threw you on the spot with that question, but I'm curious. Top 35. I mean, at the end, yes, I think play calling is going to, like, play a role. But, like, I think it's going to be more so personnel, honestly. Okay. Like, I don't know if – yes, I think Brian leaving will make a difference a little bit. But also, I don't think it's fair to say, like, I don't know. I I think that's tough for me. I – I don't think it's a huge – I think it's more so a personnel thing than a coaching thing. Interesting. Yeah. I I do. I, I, I think that's to some degree I think that's true because I think the offensive line is going to play a huge role in what happens next year. But from a pure play calling, I think Iowa, regardless of what happens with Brian, I think they should be a top 25 team. I think – and it obviously would depend on the hire for offensive coordinator – I think Iowa can be as high as a top 15 preseason team next year. I think they should be maybe around 22, 23 right now. I think USA Today put them at number 13. 
I could see them being 13 if the right changes are being made, if guys come back fully healthy, et cetera. Uh, but we got the portal open for another week. <laughs> Crazy to think that uh, news hasn't stopped. Iowa basketball, we're going to talk more about, especially since they're starting to get on a little bit of a run here. They host Michigan tonight. That will be on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock. Stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com. For that and everything else, get two months of VIP access for $1. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. I have a Swarmcast coming out on Saturday with former Iowa safety and second-team All-American, Kayvon Merriweather. That should be a very, very fun interview. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy his candidness and his perspective on how this season went and his career went and everything else. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.